The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. I, I know that as we have been walking through the Gospel of Luke, and we've been doing it for a long time, uh, the section that we're in right now, though, is probably one of the most powerful sections. It's actually alluded to as the power section in the Gospels. And if you've been tracking with us for the last two weeks, we've seen Jesus demonstrating his power. First, over the wind and the waves, or, or nature, he speaks and the, the wind dies down and the, and the waves stop and, and the disciples in the boat go, what in the world? Who is this? And they arrive on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and they're met by a demon-possessed man that no one can bind, no one could subdue him, but yet Jesus, right there on the shore, heals this man, casts out the demons, puts him back in his right mind, dresses him. The town comes out and they cannot believe it. They're, they're amazed at what they see, but they're also frightened at what they see. There's power here, power that Jesus has. And, and so where we pick up today, Luke chapter eight, verses 42 through 48, where we pick up today, it's actually a book-ended narrative, okay? Meaning Jesus is going to have two encounters, one within the other, and you can walk through this text as one story, but I actually prefer to do it as two, okay? So you're going to think we might have skipped a few verses, but there's two different stories of Jesus' power found here, and they happen together. We're going to see next week that Jesus has the power to raise the dead. He has resurrecting power. And we're going to look today at Jesus' power to heal the sick. So if you take this whole section... Jesus has power over nature, okay? He speaks and the wind and the waves obey. He has power over the demonic. He has power over evil. We see that. We're gonna see next week that he has power over death. Huge one. And today, and hopefully, hopefully, this day finds you in good health, but we're gonna see that Jesus has power to heal. He has the unbelievable mercy, grace, and power to heal those who are sick, and I want us to see it. As we dive in, though, as always, I want you to be a part of the story. So first of all, we have to unpack the problem, all right? There's a woman in this narrative who has a massive physical problem. She's very sick, and she's been sick for a very long time. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 8, verses 42 and 43. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. He's so popular at this point in his ministry. And now he's back on the more populated eastern side in Galilee, beside the Sea of Galilee. When he gets out of the boat, everyone wants a piece of Jesus. They just want to be where he's at. So the crowds are literally crushing him. There was a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one, no one could heal her. Now, I, I want, as we've done for the last few weeks, I want to read Luke and Mark's accounts together because if we do so, we get even more detail in this story. So same exact story, just Mark's version, Mark chapter 5, verse 26, talking about the woman. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, all of her money, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
12 years of suffering, having used all the resources you have at your disposal to try to find hope, to try to find healing, and nothing. Now, I'm not a doctor, okay, and I, I get squeamish talking about blood, and, but I need us to understand what's happening to this woman. Her bleeding is menstrual, okay? And so if you can't handle this, just plug your ears for a minute. But her bleeding is menstrual, but it's not normal like once a month menstrual bleeding. She's bleeding daily and has been for 12 years. Now, not only physically would this be so hard to be losing blood, you're, you're anemic, you, you cannot sustain life like this. But there's a second problem. You see, in the first century, in Jewish communities, when you were on your period, you were considered ceremonially unclean. And so that happens once a week, for, once, for a week, once a month. She's been dealing with this every day for 12 years. Leviticus chapter 15 actually describes this, verses 25 through 27. And once again, this is the Bible. It sounds like a medical text, but this is the Bible, and it says this. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. I know, you're like, that's in the Bible? What? Wait a minute, I've never read that one before, but it is. And so this is the text that's governing this woman's suffering. Verse 26, any bed she lies on while her discharge continues, that bed will be unclean, as in her bed during her monthly period. And anything she sits on will be unclean, as during her period. Whoever touches them, will be unclean. A person must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean until evening of that day. I, I want you to try to wrap your mind around this. We do not think like this in, in our day and age, and I'm so grateful for Jesus coming to fulfill the law so that these things don't exist anymore on this side of the cross. But this woman... If she was married or in a relationship, her husband would have obviously left because they can't lie in a bed together. That bed's unclean. If she goes into public and sits down somewhere, if they know who she is and the problem that she's suffering from, that she can't sit down or that chair is unclean. And then I want you to grasp, just grasp this last part. If she touches you or you touch her, you have to go wash and bathe, and you're unclean then. You're unclean until the evening of that day. She is a leper, but without the leper community around her. She's alone. She's isolated. She's suffering physically and spiritually every day. She's gone to doctors in different towns. She's spent every dime she has. And instead of getting better, it just got worse. Can you imagine the depression? Can you imagine the sadness? The isolation? People that, people that are supposed to love you, it's just such an inconvenience because you're a contaminant. 
You can't worship in the synagogue because you're unclean. No one's there for you. This is a huge problem. This woman has been suffering from it for 12 years. The psychological pain, the physical pain, the impoverishment that came from having to pay so many medical bills, the spiritual pain, not being able to worship. And it's because of something you have absolutely no control over. That's the problem that she has. But she comes up with a plan. It's a simple plan. And here's what it is. Luke chapter 8, verse 44. She came up behind Jesus as he's being crushed by this crowd. She, she can hide and sneak through, through the massive crowd. She has her head down. She, she knows that she's breaking the law by touching people, but she's got a plan. And so she comes up from behind. It's a sneak attack. And she just wanted to touch the edge of his cloak. And she gets there. She does it. She reaches out. And look what Luke says. And immediately the bleeding stopped. Immediately it stopped. Mark gives us a little bit more detail. Mark 5, 27 through 29. When she'd heard about Jesus, there's this man that's been in our community for a little over a year now. And what he's accomplishing, what he's able to do, the power that he has, the stories are becoming legendary. So when she heard the name of Jesus, when she heard about him, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought this. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's faith. If I, if I can just get a piece of his garment, just, just a little bit, I'll be healed. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Church, I want to believe that this woman touched Jesus, knew she'd been healed, freed from her suffering, and jumped up and began to shout and celebrate and rejoice. But I don't think she did that. I think for the first time in 12 years, she was able to just take a breath. I, I think it's so important to look at what Mark says. She knew she'd been freed from suffering. Now, her plan was not completely her own, okay? This had been happening for the last six or seven months or so. Mark chapter 3, verse 10, it just says this, talking about Jesus. He had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. That, that they already knew, if, if we can just get in front of him, if we can get to the powerful person named Jesus, there's a chance. We've got a chance. So she'd heard these stories, and now she hears that Jesus is in town. She knows that her sneak attack is unlawful. She knows that what she's doing is wrong, but she has no other choice. And immediately her bleeding is stopped and she's freed from her suffering. That first breath of freedom. It's, it's similar, I think, for us to that first breath after we've struggled with anxiety or, or guilt or, or physical pain that, that's been lifted it's that first breath after walking through a very suffering or trying time. I, I know this sounds so dramatic, but I, if, if you're like me, if you're like me, you've never suffered 
for more than a few weeks or maybe a few months. Now, I know some of you have, and, and you probably can understand this woman's pain better if you have suffered for a long time, but then if you have ever been freed from that suffering, that rejoicing is in the form of relief. It's in freedom. She'd been healed. There's, there's an interesting point here. Um, her story got out, okay? Her, her story got out because in Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 56, it says this, wherever Jesus went, whether it was into towns or villages or, or even the countryside, they placed the sick people from those towns, villages, and the countryside in marketplaces, and they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. They begged because they heard this woman who'd suffered so greatly, that's all she had to do. And so now, if you're sick, if, if you're sick in this community, just, Jesus, hey, I don't need, I don't need any time. Can you, just, can you just come close enough for me to grab the edge of your garment? And look at what, how it ends. And all who touched him were healed. The story got out. But the story got out because right after that first breath of freedom and release, she gets busted. She gets caught. Luke chapter 8, verses 45 through 48. Jesus stops in his tracks and says, who touched me? Who touched, who just touched me? They all denied it. And then Peter, I think, pulled him aside and said, master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. He's being nice, but he's like, 50 people are touching you. Why are you acting crazy, Jesus? What do you mean? Who just touched me? Uh, all of them. They, they, they've all been touching you. But Jesus said, no, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. I, I could feel that happen. So, something's happened. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, that first breath of freedom, head down, trying to sneak away. She's good. She hears those words, who touched me? She's like, maybe I can just try to get a little further. But Jesus knows, and she knows. She came trembling, and she fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people who are now realizing who she is. Oh, 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 get back. Get, get back. Oh, that's, that's, that's her. We, we know you. Everyone is now dividing like the Red Sea, trying to get away. But she falls at Jesus' feet in the presence of all the people. She said why she touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. I had this plan. I didn't want to bother you and I didn't want anyone to know, but I, I had nowhere else to go. I had no other hope. And so I just thought if maybe I could maybe I could just get to the edge of your garment, then maybe it would heal me. And and Jesus, it, it did. It did. Instantly, I was healed. And then Jesus said to her, daughter, oh what a gentle term. Part of the family accepted daughter. Your faith has healed you. Now go. Go in peace. Now, that's not just a customary Jewish term to say goodbye. 
They used it a lot. Shalom, peace be with you. They used it as a greeting. They used it as a farewell. But I, I think Jesus was saying, no, daughter, your faith, your belief in my power, it's healed you. So now go restored, renewed, free from your suffering. You are no longer unclean. You are no longer contaminated. God, my father, has made you whole. He's made you well, so go in his peace. And there, there's that phrase in the middle there where Jesus said, I, I felt the power come out of me. If you, if you read it the way I do, it means that as the heavenly father, God, watched this situation unfold. He knew the heart of this suffering woman and Jesus was not the one who said, oh, be healed. But it was God who healed her because of her faith. And Jesus who went, oh, something just happened. I felt some of that divine power leave me. And she gets to be the beneficiary of the blessing. She gets to be the beneficiary of her own faith. I think the crowd was still probably trying to figure out what they just witnessed. But this woman, who was not named, walks back down the sidewalk that she'd snuck up just a few moments ago, healed, renewed, at peace. Mark chapter 5, verse 34. He said to her, this is Jesus, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I love that Mark adds just that last little phrase. Jesus, I think through his divine wisdom, knew, even though the woman didn't go into the elaborate story, she was just healed, not only from a debilitating sickness, but she was healed from her suffering. Church, I want you to know that the same faith that healed that woman, that same faith today unleashes the power of Jesus. It is by faith that we come before him and it's because of faith that he moves. Faith unleashes the power of God. We, we say it at Summit that prayer unleashes the power of God. Very true, but I, I almost sometimes like to add believing prayer is what unlocks the power of God. It's not just speaking words. There's, there has to be an accompanying faith and believing prayer unleashes the power of God. And I want you to know today that he still has the power to heal, to restore, to renew, and to transform. And it's your faith, even as small as a mustard seed, it is your faith that activates this power in your life. So I ask you, are you suffering? And maybe you're not. But I bet you know someone who is. Someone who would relish in the power of God being unleashed in their life to be freed from whatever that suffering is. They're in desperate need of Jesus' power. I ask you, do you believe that he can heal? 
Do you have faith that, that what happened 2,000 years ago can still happen today? And if you do, that faith is enough. That faith is enough for you. That faith is enough for those that you pray for. I want you to know that still exists and it still happens. But you can't just steal the glory. You need to be willing to allow others to know that Jesus has moved in your life. She, she just wanted to sneak away, and he goes, oh, no, 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 I, I need to know. My power is, I need to know by whom. Who was just healed? Who was restored? God wants to get the glory for this, and that's why I think he desires for us to ask, to meet with him, because at the end, then, he gets the glory. And so what I would encourage you to do today, church, is to think Am I suffering? Is there an area of my life? Is there specifically a sickness that I need God to unleash his power on, that I need to be healed from? And if there is, in faith, I pray that you come to Jesus and ask. And I believe that he will move. And then, in whatever way you can, make much of what Jesus has done for you. And if you're not the one who's suffering, if you're not the one who's sick, and you are going to lift up someone else, you're going to petition on their behalf, as you do so, would you let them know that? Would you, as you finish praying, send the text, make the phone call saying, hey, I just wanted you to know, I just prayed this for you. And I'm believing that God is going to do tremendous things in your life. And I'm gonna continue to pray until you call me back and tell me that he's moved. That's how he gets the glory. That's how the body can love on one another. And that's how the power of Jesus Christ is unleashed in your life. It's all about faith. So I pray today that you believe in the power of Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us, for caring enough about us to meet us in our misery, in our hurt. And I ask now, Jesus, that you would free from suffering those who are hurting, whether it's been for one minute or 12 years. I pray that your power would be unleashed through their faith, and that you would allow them to experience that same breath and that same relief that this woman experienced so many years ago. I pray that you would be glorified as you move and work and act in accordance with your will. Because Jesus, we need you. And we know that you are for us. So come and show off. Come and unleash your power. It's in your name we pray this. Amen.